So from the the agent side, um, kind of good investor versus bad investor, someone that is a new investor and they're trying to reach out to a stranger um, in a particular market that they're interested in, how would they go about that to show that they're serious, they're professional, that they're not just going to like waste their time? Um, kind of how would you how would you recommend someone do that? Yeah. So first of all, uh, I want to say, so especially if you're talking about a market you've never been to, right? You're trying to to buy, um, that's what I'm looking for, you know, not locally. It, an agent is paramount, right? Somebody who knows the area um, and just how that market and that real estate market works, right? Whether it's paperwork or whatever else, um, you should use an agent. I'll also say it's free to you in every market that I'm aware of. Like we talked about before, the seller and the seller's agent negotiate the commission that say, call it 6%. That 6% is going to somebody. And if it doesn't go to your agent, it's all going to that seller's agent, like we talked about, right? So if you don't bring a buyer's agent who has your back and represents you to the deal, you're just giving it to that listing agent anyway. And, you know, there's benefits to that. But I would advise if you're going to a new market to find a, a separate agent, a buyer's agent, right? Who's not on the listing side, because ultimately they're most likely to look out for you because they're only really, they have to legally speaking. And also hopefully they're a good person, but um finding yourself a good agent is crucial and it's free to you you know essentially so no reason not to um in terms of your question how do you go about finding you know that agent and also getting them to want to work with you that's a great question because i mentioned earlier there's a stigma around investors for a lot of agents right um and that is i'm going to do 10 times the work for not as much money Right. Why would I work with this agent who wants to buy a hundred thousand dollar house or two hundred thousand dollar house when I could do the same or less work for this person who wants to buy a five hundred thousand dollar house? Right. The caveat is you are going to bring them a lot of volume should be the, the driving force. Right. If you know what you're doing and you're good, that is where you will convince that agent to want to do business with you long term. Um, but if you're an agent, if you're an investor starting out, you really don't have that. OK, so. <laughs> to convince that agent to work with you where they, you know, they have other deals that they probably could attend to. A lot of the things you talked about are important, right? And that is just doing the simple stuff yourself. That agent is there to be your resource. And if they're good, they should be able to do things and be happy to do things like find the age of the roof, the HVAC, that kind of thing, if you need them to. But the less of those little tedious things that you can knock out yourself Number one, it makes you look like you know what you're doing. And if you don't have a portfolio and you can't show me you've ever done anything before, at least that you know what you're doing and you're proactive yourself, you're, you know, you're taking those steps is going to give me some assurance that this person will actually do what they say they're going to do. They're going to buy this property and they're going to buy stuff in the future. So it benefits me to, to help them. Right. Um, so, um, with, so with that said, um, you know, do the little things up front. Don't, you know, be prepared when you go to talk to them and say, Hey, I know this and this, you know, and let them do the things that you can't do. Keep it to that. Right. So if you're out of market, you know, of course, they're going to be the ones to go there, have like a virtual tour with you, walk you through the house and all those things that you can't do. And that's all fine. But, um, you know, remember that they are a person and if you have them running around to 80 different houses and you can't make a decision on one, that's also going to not bode well for you. And they're going to be like, all right, this person's wasting my time. I'm going to move on, right? So when you hone in on a property, 
take the time to do your due diligence and know that this is probably going to be one you're interested in, right? Um, saving them as much time as you can benefits you at least upfront early on before you develop a relationship is crucial, uh, especially if they're good and they can't easily be replaced because that's really how you're going to make it incentivize them to, to take that leap of faith. In real estate, you know, if, if you guys aren't familiar, but we don't get, it's a pay to perform industry. We don't get paid unless we seal the deal and we help you buy the place. So every hour they spend, you know, with you, if you make them look at 40 houses and you don't buy one, they just wasted how many hours, you know? So um, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that they are, they're there to help you and they should do that. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid to ask them for it things. Is. It, 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 it's a very delicate balance. Exactly. Balance, exactly right. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask them for things that you truthfully need. But just like Tommy was saying, if you can knock something out pretty easily and you are confident in doing that, you don't feel like you're going to mess it up. Just knock it out yourself. You know, like you're at the end of the day, I like to think about it like a personal trainer. You have to want to help you. Right. I can't I can't make you want to lose the weight. You got to want to do these things. You got to be proactive. And me as an agent, if you show me that, even if you don't have anything on paper, you know, I'm going to give you a shot, right? Like, I love what you said about being honest, just being yourself, relax, take a chill pill. Honesty will always get you the farthest. Um, that's the way that we do business. That's the way my grandfather did business. That's the way my dad taught us growing up. And that's how we do our, do our business. Our business is eight one real estate. Um, we operate with a high level of integrity. We try to be as honest and fair with everyone as we possibly can. And so, I strongly agree with you. Like me, me and my audience, the thing that we're going to be trying to do is this just building your confidence brick by brick by undeniable proof that you've actually done the thing. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be the exact thing, but if you can kind of um, chalk it up in a way, previous experience, you have done the thing. So if you yep. have ever, if you have ever filled out a contract in your life, if you are good with spreadsheets, you can draw from that experience that, hey, I know how to do this. It does you no good to do this fake reassurance, looking in the mirror type thing of, oh, you are a great real estate investor. Oh, I've done thousands of deals. How, how they say like, you know, project as a certain way that you want to be. And a lot of these real estate gurus, like they say to do all that stuff. Cost, so, hey, I've done a hundred deals and like, I want to buy this one. Like we don't do that in my, you know, in my community because I don't think it's helpful. There's a there's probably a place for that somewhere, maybe more on the cold calling, like wholesaler side, maybe. Um, I don't know. I like it, I like to be very open and clear. I could get so first of all, I want to say, yeah, you're right. I like to think of it, you know, it's kind of like a doctor situation where I can't help you unless I know what's going on, right? So a, a good point to this is if you tell me you're this is your first investment, you're just starting out, you know. I mean, I deal with first-time home buyers every day, it's all the same. I don't care if you really have the experience, but if I know you're a first time investor, especially I'm going to only speaking for myself, I'm going to take probably more care and take more precaution than I would if you're, you've been in it for 20, 30 years, whatever. Cause then I'm like, all right, you, you kind of know what you're getting into. I'll help you do what you can't do. But like, you know, you, you're protecting yourself, you know, source, you know how to protect yourself. At least if you tell me you're a first timer, I'm going to be, cross my T's, dot my I's and on it because I know that you're not going to have that experience to know what all this stuff means, right? So help me help you in a way. Um, 
And I'll say too, like, you know, you mentioned the wholesalers. I mean, that's, I could spot those from a mile away. I deal with them at least 12 times a week. The moment you send me a proof of funds that's from like, like flip fund or whatever, or one of the, I mean, I've seen all of them that are wholesaler, you know, they, it's not, I'm not going to go for it. Or you want to make the contract assign, you know, there's a lot of keys to that, but same deal with an investor. Any agent who's been in it for long enough is going to be able to tell just by your language and your, your, what you know and don't know, whether you've been in it as long as you say you have, right? And they're probably not going to ask you. To be honest, I would never, I'm not going to ask somebody how many deals they've done really, you know? Um, yeah, you know, so yes, it's you easy know. to, I mean, it's easy to feel out. It's not like, it's not rocket science here, people. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah it's not rocket science. Real recognized real, as the saying right. goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cool. So that, that I love that point there. Um, So just kind of, linking what you're saying with kind of what we're trying to provide and help people with. So you're saying, Hey, if you're going to go find an out of state real estate agent, one, you got to identify a market Two, you got to find the agent three, you should do homework on the front end. So you're prepared when you present to that, present the opportunity to the agent for them to work with you, be completely transparent, be completely honest, and that's going to set you up. So those are all the things we're going to do. Um, kind of in our community, in our courses, we're going to teach people, okay, how do you identify a market? How do you find the real estate investor associations where the real estate agent might be running in that sphere of influence? We're going to give you all the spreadsheets and all the websites that you need to go find the permits, go find the market rent, go find the, how much the rehab cost is going to be. So you can be prepared. And this actually gives me an idea. We might even make some sort of little like PowerPoint or like a talking script of, of hi, you know, who would have... I'm Thomas and I'm real estate investor. I'm looking for this house. This is my homework that I've done. I'm already pre-qualified with a lender, like kind of checking all those boxes. So then when you go to talk to an agent, they're like, oh, this, this person is not going to waste my time. They're serious. And so that might even be, I'm just like brainstorming on the fly here, but that might be something like a, a realtor discussion checklist, like do all these things before you get on the phone. Yeah, absolutely. And to, that's something I was thinking too, is we talked about, you know, how do you attract a, an agent? How do you become that ideal person for that person for an agent to work with? But what do you, do you want to get into? And what are your thoughts on what a good agent should be? What should you be looking for in an agent to help you? Have you ever talked to them? So about I that? would say phase one is do you work with investors? <laughs> yep, there's absolutely. a whole bunch of people that have pre-decided I'm not working with investors. And you'd like right. to know that you'd like to know that right out the gate. So, so, so you're not wasting each other's fine. That's fine. There's nothing against that. It's, you know, it is what it is. People are adult, so they can choose what they want to do. But I would say that would be step one. <laughs> and then I would say step two is finding that local real estate investor association. So in Jacksonville, it's called Jack's Rhea. So if you find a real estate agent, that is involved with the RIA. Like you can pull up their website. Maybe they're a, a, a sponsor or a preferred vendor, or maybe they they host a little free online workshop of working with listing agents. That's probably someone that you would want to target because they're putting themselves in the same sphere of influence as other investors. Um, I would say that. I'd say questions for questions for that agent specifically. Uh, I would say responsiveness. I would say whether you're a home buyer or an investor, that's probably the same. Um, because real estate is very quick moving, um, you want someone that's prompt in getting back to you, emails, text, phone calls. Um, 
I think those are the things I think of off the top of my head. That's a good point. We have a saying in, in real estate, time kills deals. So, uh, you know, they are, your agent's a human. So, you know, be reasonable, but there are certain things that cannot wait. Right. And they, that's what they signed up for when they become an agent. Putting an offer in is not one of those things that can like be put off, right? Like things like that, especially if it's competitive, you know, first day on the market too, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, you're, that's a good point. They should at the very, be very responsive and also know those high priority things so that you are not tracking them down. Hey, I'm trying to put an offer in here, you know, and you can't get a hold of them, right? Yeah. So, and a lot of your, I, I would say I'm more biased. I generally like small business, more local operations. That's what I'm biased toward for in my whole life. Um, but I would, I wouldn't necessarily say stay away from like a Watson, a Keller Williams, a Brookshire, like, like a big brokerage, a national brokerage, <laughs> because they're going to have a lot more red tape and a lot more like policies and procedures and type things that may, they might even have like a, you got, they train their, their folks stay away from investors so you might have less luck there versus going with, I know you work for Chad and Sandy in Jacksonville. They're awesome. You should go check them out. Um, but maybe a little bit smaller operation, a little more local might, I don't know. That's how I yeah, do. It does. And to your point, I mean, I, you know, luckily I've been where I'm at for a good while now and I have a great relationship with Chad and Sandy. So, I mean, because it is a little bit more of a small operation, I have a lot more say and control in my deals than an agent typically might, right? Like in what goes on. So when it comes to working with, you know, whoever I want or, you know, changing certain things about a deal without having to go to my broker to ask and see or whatever else, you know, so there, there's some benefits there for sure. Yeah. Cool, man. This man this has been super valuable. Uh, so now what we're going to roll into is first sale by owner. Um, so I'm, not a huge fan on an investor side. I have never had any luck with approaching a for sale by owner to try to buy it. Um, we have never sold any of our properties for sale by owner because you still end up paying the commission anyways. Um, so you can kind of touch on that. Everybody always says, oh, I'm trying to save money. It's like, well, you're going to have to, anyway, you can touch on that. Um, and then just kind of the mindset of a for sale by owner. Uh, from from what I've heard from other investors and what I've kind of experienced myself is kind of the for sale by owner. Like their mindset is a very scarcity, zero sum. I'm going to keep all the money and I want everything for myself and I don't want anyone else to benefit. And so that's kind of their uh, mindset going, listing the property. They have no pain because they're not on a time crunch because if they were in a hurry, they would want to market it and use a realtor and those kind of things. Um, they're probably don't have a time frame to move because they're not trying to sell it quick. Um, and so I don't know, you can kind of touch on your other points there. I a hundred percent agree with you. The only thing I'd add to that is, you know, the only time I would as an investor look for and go after a FISBO is if they've been on the market, you know, 800 days and beyond, right? Because then they're likely to have desperation at that point as all sellers would being on the market that long. But you know they're not getting the same amount of traction because they're not getting the marketing and all that that somebody who's li really listed is. So um, you're competing with less people. They're if they've hit that time frame where they're maybe a little desperate, you know, you're that's a good opportunity where you're going to get a bigger deal than somebody who's represented with an agent who might say, hey, you know, might caution them and they clearly 
you know, I'm, I'm a little biased, but if they don't have an agent, they don't know what they're doing and they're more likely to take a low, low offer if they're desperate. Problem is, like you said, you know, they're not going to be desperate for a while, but yeah, yeah. The, the, the best example that I like to give, okay, you list a house for right now, the market's a little bit different because uh, there's such a shortage in supply. So if you put up a house, a decent house at a decent price point, you probably get what you're asking for. But for example, you overlist a house, say it's listed for $200,000 and you say, oh my goodness, it, you know, it's been on the market 30 days, we're going to cut 10,000. Okay, well, you just cut 5%, 5% off the top, okay? So if you sold, if you had a listing agent and they were able to market it better and able to get that full price 200, you know, then that's covering their own fee right there instead of having to drop, you know, 10K off the price. Because no one has a problem doing price cuts for some reason, but they always have a problem like paying an agent and staging, right. which is a weird like mindset shift. But it really is. And this, again, is one of the reasons that I love working with you. I mean, you're great to work with because you understand these things that, you know, a lot of times people who don't know real estate don't. But to your point, I mean, the way that I like to describe real estate to my clients when I help them sell a house is there's really three parts to it. Right. Number one is get the most eyes online, right? A big part of that is marketing. And in my opinion, marketing is the biggest thing that an agent can bring to their clients. Ultimately, the more eyes on the property, the more likely you are to get that buyer who's willing to pay the most amount of money. And, and really that's what it's about, right? Um, so you get the most amount of eyes you can online through marketing and, and all sorts of things. But uh, number two is great, you got all those eyes. How do you get people to come see the place? Because they can't buy it until they've seen it, right? So getting converting the most number of those folks to come see it. And then how do you convert the most number of the people that have seen it to submit offers? Because the more offers you get, the more competition you get, the more you can drive up price. I, as an agent, know this. The more people that see it online is the more people that see it in person. The more people that see it in person are the more people that submit offers. The more people that submit offers, the higher chance we have hit that. There is one person out there that is willing to pay the most money or has the best terms or whatever else gives you the best deal that you could find. Right. And that is what I'm looking for as an agent, you know, and then you go from that top person. Well, who's the second best deal that's possibly out there in the market. They may be 5,000 less than that person, or maybe it's the same price, but it's conventional instead of cash. Right. And so truthfully, when you break down the nitty gritty of selling a house, that's what it comes down to is increasing your odds of hitting one of those top people who will pay top dollar, whatever else. And the problem with Fizbo's is you're not marketing, you're not making those payments, you know, you're, you're hitting such a smaller pool of people, so many less people are seeing it in the first place, not to mention all the stuff that comes after that converting, you know, down the line, but just if you get a fraction of the people coming to who even see it online, what do you think that does to the odds of you hitting that person, that person seeing it, who's most likely to give you the best price, right? So it's oh, too so intuitive. Good. It hurts, honestly, but people don't, yeah. some people don't get it. <laughs> yeah. So one of my big business role models that I just love is Alex Hormozzi, wrote $100 million offers, got a great podcast, you get su such wisdom. And he actually made a video and post this past week and he said, volume beats luck. So he said, you have to just tell yourself that you're never going to get lucky. Luck is never going to fall your way. Everything's going to fall the opposite way. And to make up for that, you have to do volume. So people will say, okay, uh, different socio different socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, religion, race, yeah, gender, all these different things might disadvantage people for business. 
and it's okay. Okay, maybe over a certain number of trials, but about over a million times. If you kind of stretch things out to to the nth degree and you kind of inflate it, or someone says, oh, you know, I'm going to apply for these 10 jobs and I won't get the job. It's like, okay, but what if you apply for a thousand jobs? If you apply for a thousand jobs, probably going to get a quality one. So the the same thing applies to marketing. Okay, if you if a hundred eyeballs look at it versus if ten thousand eyeballs look at it, are you more more likely to find that one person? You don't have to be lucky. You can have volume to you know offset that luck. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, and also just to further reiterate that, um, so on Zillow on the Zillow app, when you you probably have like a fancy realtor Zillow because in your you know, MLS apps, but for us regular folk here on the Zillow, uh, if I go on here, if I go on here and I do my uh, for sale page and I put in what I'm looking for for sale, listed by agent is automatically highlighted. And I don't even see by owner unless I actually go into this and click that. Yep. Another good and thing. So, that- and so just like, yeah. And so just how you're saying like less eyeballs, like if somebody isn't super familiar with Zillow and they've just never, they've just scrolled right past that and they don't even know to go it, they're literally not even going to see it pop up on their screen. Yep. Yeah. That's a great point. And it brings, makes me think of the point that, you know, people don't realize, but on Zillow, you can, there's a pay to play on all these sites, your realtor.com, your Zillow, all of them, meaning, you know, we pay one of the things that we do for marketing is we pay Zillow and those sites to show up at the top of search results, right? Like we pay for placement on those sites. So we're on page one instead of page 15, we're showing up. Somebody's looking for a similar house in the similar area, whatever. We're paying, so we're more likely to show up than that house who's FISBO, right? Like we pay a lot of money for that. So the and like you mentioned, the it automatically highlights agent deals. Um, so there's a lot of hidden things and people don't realize, you know it's all an algorithm, right? It all gets certain things get bumped up and the more you pay, the more you, <laughs> the more you get. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. And a, another the last thing I'll say on, you're going to pay commission anyway, is more than likely that whoever buys your house, if you're listing for sale by owner, they're probably going to bring an agent more times than not. And you're going to end up paying that agent, you know, 3% or whatever anyway. So you're really not saving 6%. Like you think you are, you maybe you're saving 3%. And if you really do the math, I promise you it's not worth it. Uh, I know I'm biased, but <laughs> as much bias as I can aside, it's just not worth it. Yeah. And you're just not going to have that person in your corner kind of double checking the paperwork and coordinating the inspections. Like you have to do all that and it's not, it's not fun. So like pay the man, <laughs> pay the realtor and move on. And just yeah, realistically, it. the only, unless you have been in real estate a long, long time or been an agent for a long, long time, you know, and you, kind of know how to pay for marketing and do all that too, then maybe it's worth it. But for the 99.9% of people out there, you're you're not going to, you're going to waste more money than you would have paid an agent anyway. And now you got to do all the work too. So. 